Hi everyone, welcome to Football Anya. It's podcast 83. I'm here, Mike's here, and we're going to be talking about the Netherlands' Euro 2020 announcement. The squad is out for the tournament. There's some surprises in there. We can't wait to discuss uh, who's in and who's out. So if you're wanting to get involved in the comments, do let us know right now what you're thinking of the Netherlands squad. And by the time we're talking about it, we can get your comments up on screen. Um, but also today, we've had the Eredivisie final day, so we're going to be talking about the results from the final day and the, our team of the season for the Eredivisie. And again, if you want to get involved in that, do put in your comment, whether you're watching live or whether you're watching afterwards. You're listening to us on YouTube, iTunes or SoundCloud. You can see us if you watch us on YouTube, um, but we're available on all three platforms. SoundCloud's a place to go if you want to download our podcast and listen to us offline. Um, the only thing left to say is we've still got the uh, football down your wristbands that look like this. If you want to get yourself in for Euro 2020 starts, they are in the YouTube description and pinned to the Twitter page, Football Danya. Um, now, we probably should start with um, the Netherlands announcement, Mike. The squad is out, the provisional squad. And Ryan Babel, after all of this time, probably the big story, really. The fact that he doesn't even make the provisional squad. And um, Frank Dubois even said last week that he was probably going to put him in there to be that sort of experience in the backroom and there for the player support. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I think we've all been waiting for him to get get dropped, um, which surprised me massively um, because of Dubois' comments last week. He basically said that how important he was for the dressing room and it seemed that he was saying that He'd come into form for Galatasaray, scored in a big match, and it seemed to get certain that he was going to be on the plane. And then for De Boer just to suddenly drop him out and then come out and say that, I think in his explanation, he was saying that he was never going to pick him. Um, so he didn't want to bring him into the provisional squad, have him turn up to the, the training camp and have the belief that he was going to make the squad and then cut him right before the end. So he did it this way by phoning him up and telling him that he's not part of it ahead of time. Um, I think it's the, it's the right decision. I think it's an obvious decision. I think there's wingers that are in much better form. Um, but yeah, it just seems a bit odd that it come out this time if he's going to defend him all the way up to now. And, and you know, Babel's been part of the squad ever since Koeman took over. Um, and for, for Babel, you know, it's, it's got to be a bit heartbreaking that he was in the squad all along. You know, everyone talked about how determined he was to, to make the squad and you know, it's going to be his final hurrah in the big tournament. And then just before the end to get dropped, you know, he's got to be absolutely gutted. But as a Netherlands fan, I think it's, it's by far the right decision. Um, you know, if, if Netherlands are losing a game coming into the last five to ten minutes, who would I rather have on the bench? Would I rather have Ryan Babel or, or Cody Gakpo or a, a Stephen Bergwijn, even an Anwar El Ghazi? You know, it's it's night and day. Um, it wouldn't be Ryan Babel. Um so I think it's the right decision by the Boer, but I think it's just taken a long time for him to realise that, and it's it's come just before the just before the, the tournament starts. Which it's it's got to be tough to take for for him himself. I didn't think that Frank de Boer had that sort of surprise in him, the fact that he would uh, have this consistent selection and talk about how important these players were to the, to the squad. He did mention when he first came in that he had to get in the, the squad on merit. And, and yet he pulls out this absolute surprise right before the end, right before they're off to go to the tournament. And more, more to that, he selected a few surprise players around the edges of the team who might still make the final squad, especially with it being um, expanded to 26 players or 23. A question from Abdul, who, who listens to our podcast quite regularly. Thanks, Abdul. Um, he says that Dubois insisted to the last moment that he needed Babel. What happened? And I put this out on Twitter um, that Ryan Babel, maybe it was him that decided to not be in the squad and not Frank de Boer's decision because of the criticism that he was getting. Uh, the fact that no one wanted him in the squad, that maybe he felt that pressure of needing to give up his place to somebody else. Um, may maybe, maybe not the fact that he thinks that other players are better than him, but maybe that he was feeling a bit of criticism from a lot of people that were looking from the outside in and wondering why he was being selected. Well, for me, I would say that, you know, Babo's probably one of these players that believes in himself. And as I said, it's his last time to be a major tournament. And as a footballer, if you're going to get selected for a major tournament, then you're going to want to go. 
um, and he, he was going to be selected, judging by the Brewers' comments. And I think that the one way he can prove the critics wrong is by scoring a goal at the Euros or, or doing something important on the pitch. I think I don't think Babo is someone that really listens to criticism. Um, throughout his career, he's made some strange decisions for clubs. You know, he's gone to the Middle East during his career when he was nearing his prime sort of age range. He went to the Middle East and he admitted himself that he took took the money. So I think he's not that type of player that really listens to what other people think. And I don't think he would have been swayed by, you know, anyone on online or on, on Twitter telling him that he didn't really deserve his, his spot. I think he would have believed in himself and, and went there and tried to prove everyone wrong. Um, especially being AJA is probably his last tournament. I think he would have wanted to take that chance. So I think it's come from De Boer and I agree. I didn't think he had it in him. I don't think he had that ruthless streak of, of cutting someone. Um, it's not... I think that I think that De Boer maybe you know we've not seen what went on in the the training beforehand. Um, you know, in the media, you know, De Boer can can talk him up, but then you know maybe he's starting to listen to the fact that you know Gak was a better player. You know, he's seen now Gazi performing, maybe performing week in week out for Arsenal, and he's decided to make the the cut. He's decided to make a, a tough decision, which. I think out of all the times that we, we criticise Frank De Boer, I think this is one of the times we actually have to say, you know, well done for, for making a decision like this because he's done it. Um, and it's not just Babo, it's, it's Calvin Stengs as well, who's his son-in-law. I mean, he's been in the squad all this time. He's practically family for him and he's cut him as well. Um, and it's rightly so because he's just not been informed recently, Frey said. So you've got to say that De Boer is making the, the tough decisions. He's making the right ones and... Probably that we criticised De Boer for. You know, this is um, the right things that he's doing. And like for me overall, I'm I'm happy with the squad the way it is. And I think it's going to be tough for him to to decide on a few of the positions that he's selected players for. But overall, I think he's he's made the right decisions in the right positions. And minus maybe one or two players, you know, we can make an argument for. Say Noah Lang, but you know he's his form sort of dropped off recently for for Club Bridge. If he was scoring week in week out recently, then you'd say he might be in there. You know, I guess Dan Juma is one that you'd, you'd put forward, but he's performing in a championship. Maybe the De Boers decided for Algazi instead. I know you're not a big a fan of Algazi, even though he's an Aston Villa player, but you know, he's probably been in the best form of his career since he left Ajax this season, judging by how many goals he scored. Um, in the Premier League, so he deserves a shot. And I guess for dropping Babo, um, if he says he's not informed, then you know you got to wonder why somebody like Stephen Bergvine is in there, or even a Donny Van de Beek. I mean, I saw Johan Derksen, the, the Dutch journalist, saying in the midweek that Van de Beek should be the one that gets cut coming mm-hmm. into the squad because he hasn't shown anything for Manchester United. I can't see that happening, but you know we'll see what happens when you know the squad meets up on the the twenty fourth. I think it is for two days. Everyone gets a chance to impress, and then we'll see what it is that's named the final squad. Because you never know, Brandy Bird might just be teasing us all, and then come the the twenty six, Ryan Bowers' names in that final squad. But um, yeah, I have to say I'm I'm happy with the decisions that, that the Bears made, and I think it's a good squad. The only one thing that I would say to look out for is if Iron Robin does perform for Cronin in the next two playoff games. If Iron Rod, or sorry, if if Cronin get past. Utrecht and then Feyenoord or Sparta in the final and Robin scores in both games gives a couple of assists and make a late charge as that dressing room influence that, that Ryan Babo said to be um, but yeah overall I'm, I'm happy with the squad Yeah let's actually um, have a quick look at it I mean I was going to bring it up on screen but I think most people have actually seen the squad there's not a lot, lot of surprises but I think some of the biggest ones are that First of all, Virgil van Dijk isn't making the squad and he's not in it. Um, so he's that injured and it's expected that Wijnaldum will be the captain for the tournament. Um, but Cody Capo's there in the professional squad. You've mentioned there, Amwell Garzi. And yeah, I've mentioned it before on the podcast. I'm an Aston Villa fan. I watch him play a lot. And he he flits. He He's rather inconsistent. He goes really invisible in games. But the thing that you can credit him for is he comes up for a goal just when you need him. Um, he's quite a predictable player. He comes in on his left foot quite a lot. 
likes to likes to shot, um, but he's trying to get into the box more and support. The striker is trying to get back and defend more on the wing. Villa haven't been the best of form the second half of the season, but he's still someone who's played all right. Like I say, he's good one game, pretty poor the next. Uh, and I wonder whether he could be a wild card of a tournament because just like Stephen Burkhouse, he's a confidence player. And if you can get the best out of him, he can be used definitely in the tournament um, to the birds' advantage. I reckon he's like a uh, that sort of backup left winger. If Memphis is, 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 is going to play in the left wing, I imagine El Ghazi would be like a bit of a backup because they're quite similar players when they play from the left wing. But obviously Memphis is the better one. The reason why I'm apprehensive about El Ghazi is that um, normally Jack Grealish will play in the left wing for Villa and you think that England have got to play like him and he, he wouldn't be starting matches for England. Um, and, and, and he's replacing himself, Garzi, who I don't rate as much at all, and yet he could be an option for the Netherlands. I think it shows the difference in strength between the two teams. Um, and going into the tournament, I still worry about if the Netherlands were to play like a powerhouse side. I mean, that's obvious, right? They're obviously the stronger teams, but I think they're going to come really unstuck against a France or a Portugal or an England, for example, which, which could be their downfall. Um, but anyway, I think that's the conversation of the day. I mean, looking just looking at the squad... I'm glad to see that Cope Mine is in there. Um, Havenberg, obviously, and Timber. So there's some nice players in there, but obviously some will be dropped. Um, who, who do you think there, Mike? I mean, oh, and obviously the biggest one, I've just seen his name, about Verhorst. Which of those surprise names do you think will actually make the final cut? The fact that Babel's out of the squad and Verhorst is in it, Deber's listening, does that mean that Verhorst is surely needed at the tournament and will be a striker that is used a lot? Yeah, I think that, I mean... Do we take the Bruce's words last week as, as gospel now that Babel has been dropped? But he did say basically that Veghorst is on his way to the, the Euros and I can I can see him going. I can see all four strikers going. I can see Veghorst okay. and Luke De Jong being there, Malin being there and Memphis, with Memphis being an option for the wing as well as, as Malin, even though it didn't work out last time. Um, and then when they're... Want to switch up formation? He has to decide between Veghorst and De Jong for that central striker role, and they'll get the chance to, to compete against each other and train and see who's who's the best. Um, in terms of who's going to get cut, sadly, you know, St. Just has been called up. Um, I can't see him making the squad. I think if if Timber's in there instead of the under twenty ones, I can see Timber actually going to the to the Euros um, because the under-21 squad will have to be announced before the training camp. September is going to be at a training camp instead of being with the under-21s, then I can see Timber making it and Cody Gakpo as well. I think both of them will eventually make the squad. I think in terms of who's getting dropped, you've got um, made a prediction that you know Bezo will get dropped, um, the goalkeeper. Um, then he has to decide between two right-backs to get dropped, and I think that my mind switches back and forth, but from what De Boer said last week, Dumfries is his first choice and Tete is his backup because Tete can be a more defensive right back against stronger nations and he sees Karsdorp and Hatabor as more attacking options. So I think Dumfries will go his first option, Tete will be second and never two will get dropped. And I get a lot of people saying Karsdorp is the best option, Karsdorp is the best option, but I think De Boer would have go with what he, he knows. He's going to go with Dumfries. Um, you can see Van Anhol getting dropped, St. Just getting dropped, um, Valhena getting dropped. At this point, I don't. Valhena just seems to be one of these players that keeps getting added to the list as as a name just to, to bolster the squad. But I just can't see him getting picked. Krasnodar have been been horrible recently in in Russia, and until Valhena gets that move back to to mainland Europe, I can't see him getting picked in the squad. So that means I think that Kupminers has a good chance to make in the squad, and up front, I think Promise will get dropped. And then it's a, I think it is a coin toss between El Ghazi and Bergwijn. Yeah. I think that it's whoever impresses De Boer the most in, in training will get the, the nod to, to go. The thing that gets me with the Netherlands this summer is the attacking play kind of depends on how well um, the wingers can support Memphis. Um, I, th I think... Defensive-wise, they should be okay. Frankie's in midfield, so that's really solid. But it's then, how is that front three going to work? Is it going to be Luke De Jong or Verhorst, the striker, and the wingers around it? None of those wingers really jump out at you. And Cody Gappo is the one who I think we like the most. But 
is the most unproven at a top level. So who who can be that starting winger? We had a question about who would be starting eleven. I think most of it picks itself. It's just those wingers. How important do you think they are to a success this summer? It is crucial because you'll get those games that everyone's having the grip stages and you go, no one should win those games. Um, and it, you just need to know what, I think the indication will be when everyone's played Scotland, we'll see what De Boer has in mind. Because if he goes 4-3-3 with Memphis on the left, that's how everyone's going to line up come the games against Ukraine, Austria and North Macedonia because it's a similar sort of opposition. If he goes to Memphis on the left and a, a strong striker up front, then that, that gives the indication that he thinks that that's what's going to happen in the group stages. And you've got to think that Memphis will play left, Bergas will play right, and then it'll be Luke de Jong and Wes Veghorst impresses them during training um, as the starting lineup in the Euros. And that's what I would predict at the moment. I think he will go 4-3-3 with Memphis on the left. But if he does go Memphis through the middle, then it's a coin toss because those wingers, none of them step out. You've got, you got Berghaus who did well during the last international period, but he's not he's not top European-level winger. Um, I think he is a bit predictable at times. He, he scores a lot of his goals for Feyenoord from penalties. Um, and he, he is the biggest influence for them. But can he be a, a player that wins and wins the Euros? I'm not so sure about that. Um, the only one out of all those wingers that has something about him is Gakpo, because um, he can pick up the ball and run at people, and none of the rest of the wingers, in my opinion, can. Maybe El Ghazi can, big by cutting inside. But Bergwijn, I think, is a predictable winger who's not in form. Promise is limited. Um, so yeah, the, the winger situation for me is is difficult, and that's why I think he will push Memphis out there because he needs somebody out there to. Influence games, and I think that's where you'll you'll stick Memphis and have either Vekhorst or Diong through the middle, and then if that doesn't work, you'll bring on somebody like Malin to have a bit more pace up front, and I think that'll be his, his plan B. But I do think that what the squad has shown is that De Bura has options, so he can go four three three with Memphis through the middle and with Pacey attack rather than Malin and Berghaus, or he can switch up and go with a strong striker up front. If that's Weghorst or De Jong. I think this formation is interchangeable. The amount of defenders he has also means we can go 5-3-2 and have three centre-backs because there's so many centre-back options. And then you could have Memphis up front with Luke De Jong. It could work. Um, long balls forward. Luke De Jong flicks them on for the pace of, of Memphis. Um, so where versatility is key, I think De Boer does have a lot of options in the squad to, to pick a formation to, to suit his needs in the game. Um, against tougher nations going either 5-3-2 or going with Memphis for the middle against smaller nations going with a more centralised striker like Luke de Jong or, or about Vekors I think De Boer has those options I think the games against Scotland and so I'm having a mind blank on who the second um, friendly game is running up to it but I think those games will be key to, to deciding what his formation is going against those games against Ukraine I'm going to search that one up because I, I, have, I haven't heard it's Georgia. That second Georgia, game. that's it. Yeah, it's Georgia. Yeah. So similar opposition to the face in the group stages. So if he lines up in those games with Memphis on the left, we know that's going to be the starting formation. Mm-hmm. The, 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 the starting level will, will soon know, yeah, they're from those friendlies. And they're against teams that are a bit weaker than the Netherlands. So what, how much can you learn from that? The, the, the three sort of group games, you'd expect the Netherlands to have a lot of possession and the teams will be defending to try and um, get a point or three if they can nick a goal. But it's when you get to those last stages, again, like I spoke about earlier, um, let me just get your quick thoughts on that. Like, what, what are you thinking later on in the tournament? How seriously can you take the Netherlands against those bigger teams? And I know that we'll be previewing a lot more of the games, the tournament itself, pretty soon on, on our podcast. But just a little look ahead. This is not the group that we're concerned about. It's later on in the competition, right? Yeah, but I mean, that's the, the problem with Netherlands, and that's why we didn't make the last World Cup because, or the last Euros because they went, ah, oh, this group's easy. But, you know, on paper it is, and I do expect that they will win this group. Um, and then getting through the later tournament, you got to hope that they don't get the third place team from the, the Germany group um, to get one of the lesser third place teams. Then that's you in the quarterfinals. And 
it's hard because in the quarterfinals to the, the final, anything can happen. You know, things get edgy. Teams come up against each other that sort of nobody wants to, to lose an inch. Um, and if it comes down to defence, then everyone's have a strong defence. Um, whereas, no, I, I'd say that De Vrij and De Ligt can defend against most of the, the strikers at this tournament um, very well. So that, that gives me confidence. But whether everyone's have an attack, or the pace in midfield to, to trouble one of these top nations is a big concern for me. And I think, yeah, if you come up against somebody like Belgium, France, Spain, England, to a lesser extent, um, <laughs> then, yeah, Netherlands could struggle to, to really hurt them. Um, but, you know, you've got to have some confidence. You know, the squad has uplifted my confidence because I think that the players that get selected are ones that are on form, and that's what I've always asked for. Um, so going into tournament after the last international games I was quite pessimistic but at the moment my my excitement is growing and I think um, Netherlands can go far my head still says quarterfinals um, but my heart is saying semifinals then anything can happen um, but just avoiding a tough yeah winner we're going to win it that's it I'm saying it now. Um, but yeah, it all depends on who they get in the, the second round. If they slip up against Ukraine and end up finishing second and get a tough tough draw, get go out in the, the last 16. If they finish top of the group and get third place from Germany, Portugal, then yeah, that's that's also tough and they could go out in the second round. But if they get a favourable draw in the second round and they finish top, then they, they could go anywhere. I was actually previewing the group for the website and I saw the quality of the three teams and I was thinking yeah th- this this group should be no problem if it is a problem then I, I don't think they get anything further than the last 16 because the fact that if they can't beat Ukraine Austria and North Macedonia having seen the quality of the three teams then then they don't deserve to win the Euros uh, but it's those bigger teams I just think that there's going to be too much too much for, the, for this, this team which has some quality but isn't top quality and unless they're never going to pull up a, a Greece, their defence is pretty good. Nicking goals, you never know. <laughs> we've had some comments coming live, and um, we've, we've, we're getting people getting carried away. Jason says, my heart is saying champions, of course. Uh, <laughs> and we had a comment here just saying that uh, that we look, he's looking forward to the stream. That there were only five people watching live at the time, but I somehow got more than people watching along, which just doesn't make any sense. But don't worry, we do get plenty of people listening along um, on, on all platforms. We end up averaging about a 1,000 people listening each time. So if you want us to keep growing up for, over that, do keep sharing the podcast with the people who you know are going to listen to it. Um, and, and, yeah, we're getting more comments coming in. Uh, another one here saying that it could be the Netherlands against Portugal in the second round. Could well be if they win their group and uh, they face a third-place team from the group of death. Very unlikely, but I have mentioned it a few times. It's going to happen, isn't it? And... Um, Jason saying that don't forget North Macedonia beat Germany. That is true. The North Macedonians can't be taken lightly. But looking at the quality of those three teams on paper, the Netherlands should be beating them if they're playing like <laughs> they should be in a tournament and playing well. They're not. They're not really big banana skins. So that's going to come back and haunt me. I think now I've said that. Uh, we, we need to move on to talk about the Eredivisie. Uh, the the season's over, and there were many players um, that have been impressing in the Eredivisie that were playing for the national team this summer. One of them is Davy Klaassen. Um, I went for him in my team of the season, Mike, because I think David Clarkson has scored many, many important goals this season. He's, I think the stat is goes as something like he scored 10, 10 times this season for Ajax, which put them into a winning position. Nine times of those were um, a 1-0 goal. So re- he's a really important player to have an attack in midfield. Um, and he's really stepped it up for Ajax and the Dutch national team this season. Yeah, I think... Um... I will hold my hands up and say that I criticise. I criticise Ajax for signing him last summer. Um, I thought it was, you know, backwards move. You know, they're re-signing, you know, a player from their youth academy who isn't really going to take them forward. And you know, we're still on a high from them reaching the semi-final of the Champions League. On we should be going for players that are better than David Carson. But yeah, he's been he's been excellent for for them this season, and he does always pop up with those. Crucial goals. I'd even say 
Now, this is controversial, but in the formation, he suits Ajax's formation more than, I'd say, Donny van der Beek did. Um, I think he scores more crucial goals. He gets in those positions a bit better. Um, and, yeah, I think he's been he's been excellent this season. He might not have made my team of the season, but I think he's been a great mm-hmm. signing for them. And he's complemented the midfield very well. He is still a concern in terms of if he makes the Netherlands squad and makes the starting positions of his speed. Um, but I think in terms of work effort and popping up for a goal in crucial times, you know, he's he's excellent for Ajax and in there the busy he's 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 a he's a class act for, for this league and I think he made the right choice by coming back to, to Ajax because this is where he he really belongs, this is where he shines and there's nothing wrong with admitting that you're your best at Ajax and not seeking that seeking that move abroad again. Um, and I hope that David Klassen sort of stays now for with Ajax for maybe the rest of his career. Um, and you know this continues to be important for them because he is and he's he's a good player in his formation. Um, he's always popping up with crucial goals. He can he's even yeah, I think he's he's definitely definitely surpassed my expectations from. More players try to do that. They're trying to stay in the Eredivisie longer and come back to the Eredivisie instead of for a long time as well in their 20s. It's really good for the league that that's happening. We spoke about five or six years ago about this kind of thing. Probably the first conversation we had when I, when I first joined you at Football Only Mike was that we need more footballers to stay in the Eredivisie into the primes of their careers because it's going to really make the, the league and the national team grow. And how important has it been that Klassen's come back to the Eredivisie and this form has got him a spot in um, the, the 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 Dutch national team squad because of that form he's got at Ajax. So I mean, like I, in my Odorizzi team of the season, though, I have to say I've got, I went for a few, quite a few Dutch players, and um, a handful of them played for the national team too. Really good coming into the Euros. Um, got Klaassen in my midfield. No, you haven't, Mike. But I've, I've also put Turncoat Miners in my midfield. Fifteen goals in thirty games, and a lot of them came from set pieces. Uh, but he's been brilliant. I don't think we need to talk too much about Coat Mines because he's been just that good and we've spoken about him enough times. And to complete my midfield, it seems like we started in the midfield, just a bit of a different way of starting off the team of the season. Um, I have Rival in there as well. 16 goals and 7 assists for Heracles. Average team, but he really lifted it up. Who did you go for in your midfield? So the same way with Luton and Copenhagen, I think that Rive Luton is one of these players that you know came through the, the PSV Academy and everyone thought, you know, he's he's gonna be one of these sort of journeymen. Whereas when he went to Italy and it didn't really work out there and he's come back to the visit where, where Heracles is just gonna be one of these sort of players that goes up and down, you know, he's at Excelsior for a wee while and he was playing in the second division. I mean, this season he's been outstanding and I think he's proved this season that he has the ability to play for a top air division club, whether that's going to the next level of going to a, a Vitesse or an AZ or need to wait and see, but I think he could handle the AZ sort of level um, and be a, a utility player for them, maybe off the bench and an option for them. Um, so I think he's been, he's been excellent. And the third one I went with is, is Ryan Gravenberg because I think for an 18 year old, you know, he's turned 19 today, but for an 18 year old to play the way he has all, all season, um, I think he's been incredible. And he's one of the players that I hope makes the, the Netherlands squad. I think he will. I think he's he's there because he's going to be in the squad. Um, I think he's just a fantastic talent. And we're seeing one of the best Dutch midfielders there's going to be for the next five to ten years um, this season playing week in, week out for Ajax. And he's a boy that's got his head screwed on because where we saw it would go a bit downward for for Pizzura. Um, you know, He's, he's coming out and saying that he wants to stay at Ajax next season. He, he's not making any grumblings that he wants to go. Um, even though all the big clubs are getting linked to him, he's saying, no, I'm staying in Amsterdam. That's where I want to be. So, you know, he seems to be level-headed. He's, he's heading into the Netherlands squad now and he's he's been important for Ajax week in, week out. He's been undroppable for, for Ten Hag. So I think he deserves a place in the, my um, team, of the, team of the season. Yeah, as well, as well from Buzzer in terms of his attitude. Kavenberg's just got such a great attitude. Um, and you have to, considering he's been playing at a, an upper age group throughout all of the youth teams at Ajax and the Netherlands. It's because, mainly because of his physique, because he's quite, he's quite a big guy. Um, he, he, though, has actually proven that he's an excellent footballer, whatever level he's played at. You know, he's, he wasn't he um, 14 playing, like the under 17s or something. 
that through most of his career it's, it's, it's immense and he's still doing it now on a senior stage at 18 now 19 uh, yeah he was on my bench though i have to say for my team of the season because uh he has dropped off a little bit the second half of the season i just had to pick up because of the goals that he scored um but yeah having is probably gonna be in my team of the season next season for sure um other dutch players i went for uh let's go to the defense shall we i went for owen vindal left back He's played every single minute of the Odovizie season this season. Only him and Kota Tapora have finally going to have done that. And he has come out himself and thinks he's the best left back in the Netherlands. <laughs> Is he, Mike? Is he in your team too? Yeah, he's in, he's in my team. And I, I would agree with, with Van Dijk. I think he is the best left back in, in the Netherlands. Um, I do think he still has to work a bit on his production level going forward but I think defensively he's, he's strong he does have a great partnership with with Carlson on the, the left of the AZ attack and yeah I think that he is for me the best left back in, in the Netherlands I think his head has been turned I think by the interest from from Ajax recently I think his, his comments recently about it seem to indicate that he would be open to it if if they come calling once Tago Fico goes but yeah, he's been outstanding this season. There's a reason why he's played every minute for, for AZ. And when Kutman is in there, he's captain. I think he was influential on this, this AZ side. And I think if you're going to name two AZ players that are ready for a move abroad or ready for a move up, you'd say Kutman is in, in Vindal. Because Stengs and Bordeaux have been the two that haven't impressed this season. But Kutman and Vindal have been the two steady ones that, that deserve the praise in terms of their Dutch players. Um, I think he's been excellent this season. I think he's. If you've got to mention the left backs in there, the you got Max. He does okay for for PSV. I think he started the season well, but he sort of drifted off a bit. Um, Tago Fico, he's he's been steady for Ajax. And don't forget the legendary George Cox. George Cox, he has he has come to my mind as well. I think he's had a, a great season for for Chino and yeah, repping the British. British Legion in the, the division. I think he's had a, a great season, scoring some fantastic goals as well. But I think Bindow has been the, the standout. Yeah, got to go. if, you, if you, you like George Cox, go and watch our interview with him. A little plug. Uh, we had a couple more comments coming in live. That, um, someone thinks that Bindow is the Zandam Jordi Alba. <laughs> Fair comment. <laughs> he just play like him, though. He's, he's, he's um, a very offensive-minded left-back. Great player. And Cheers, mate. Love some lovely love there for us. It, um, one of the people watching live. If you're not watching live, we do get involved and comment uh, what your thoughts on the Netherlands squad and your Odovisi team of the season. We do want to hear from you. Um, and do drop us a like as well if you're enjoying what we're sort of giving to you today. Now, um, carrying on with the defence. Uh, I got a bit of stick on Twitter for this because I went for someone a bit random in defence. Um, this one I didn't get stick for. Richelle Bazaar who's been playing brilliantly at Vitesse all season in that five-man defence at centre-back. But I also put um, Head and Vane's Pavel Bokinovic's, uh there because I, I couldn't really think of a good centre-back to put there apart from Bazaar. And I thought Senesi, no, a bit inconsistent in the second half of the season. Timber hasn't really played enough, but has been impressive. So <laughs> I put Bokinovic's in there. He's played, when he's not injured, he's played every single minute for Head and Vane. And he's probably the best of a bad bunch at that club at the moment. He's been steady. He's been great. And I think he had like the most um, clearances of all the players in the league. I saw that stat. I think you actually put that stat on Twitter, Mike, a little while ago. For me, it made sense to put him in there. Maybe people just didn't consider him. Who did you go for? I'm guessing he didn't go Bogdanovic as well. So I got Bazaar, but I'm going to make a, a weight change. I was thinking I was going to go with Sandro Martinez. Um, but I've now decided to go with my only PSV player, um, to make my my lineup, and um, Boscagli, I think he's had a very steady season in there. You know, coming into the season, I thought he was going to drop out of the squad entirely. I didn't think he was that good, um, but he's proved me wrong this season in defence and even moving into midfield at times as well. He's been been excellent there, so I think he deserves a shout out for for his season. Um, I don't think many PSV. I think many PSV players deserve a lot of, of credit for this season. I think that they've sort of stumbled on on second spot. I mean, I might be quite harsh on them. Um, I think Gakpo would be the one that deserves the most praise, but he's not in my, my lineup just because of the other wingers that are there. 
and Malin, um, who has done sort of what I expected him to, but not as much. I thought Malin would be top goal scorer because I thought he would get you know, 25 to 30 goal region. Um, but he has missed a lot of chances. You know, I praise Malin a lot, but I do get a lot of comments saying that he does miss chances, and it is true. He's missed, I think he has missed the most. In terms of taking shots, he's had the second most in the whole league on, after Tanan. Um, but he's only scored, I think, 19, 19 goals. Um, yeah, 19 out of his age, I think. And he, he, he's someone who I think that when he goes to a bigger club, he'll have that pressure of knowing that he only gets like two chances in the game and he needs to take one of them. Um, at the minute, PSV, he gets umpteen chances and it's probably not as pressured an environment. Um, but yeah, ag- agree with, with him um, being a good player, but not in my uh, front three. And, and Buscagli, he reminds me of Daley Blint with the way he plays in defence. Uh, a great creator from deep. I think halfway through the season, I had him like half team of the season. Um, I didn't go for him at the end. But yeah, someone who I agree is, is, has been pretty good for PSV. And to complete my back four, went with uh, Lutz Schauer, Geert Trauder from Feyenoord. I think that he is someone who will be in the Dutch national team squad in future and has impressed me at final. One of the very few players at final who's played very well this season. Um, what a development he's made. Yeah, I think he's been excellent. I think there's a weird period where Dick Advocat decided to drop him for a little while and started playing New Coop at right back um, a couple of months ago. It was, it was strange because I think he's he was one of their best players throughout the season and Advocate decided to swap him out. Um, didn't really work. Yeah, back in. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's time to retire. I think from from club football. Um, but yeah, he has been an outstanding, standing right back in the Eredivisie this season. Um, and he should be playing week in week out when the Netherlands under twenty ones get together. Um, during the last international period at the European Championships, but I think Zeefuk was was preferred over him and. You know, Gertrude wasn't even in the original squad until there was an injury. Um, but yeah, I think he's been great. You know, he chips in with goals. He's a threat from set pieces. I think he's strong defensively. He gets up and down that right wing. Um, I think he's just been impressive. I think he says that the right wing of Feyenoord has, has been the best thing about it this season. And probably only one of the things that deserves praise is Gertrude and, and Bergus on the on the right. So, I mean, them two as a partnership have been been excellent. But yeah, I can see why you've, you've picked him for your right back um, I think Dumfries hasn't been consistent enough and you know Svensson's been injured in and out of the, the AZ side um, and Ali Daz has been impressive but not that impressive to, to name him in the squad so I went with someone that I think is going to be Neville's right back within the next couple of years um, I think he's that good and that's that's wrench of of Ajax, I think he's been a revelation this season coming into the, the Ajax side, and I think he's going to grow and grow over the next couple of years, and then we're going to see him take the the right back slot of the Netherlands going forward. Um, I think I, I love seeing players like this develop, just coming out of nowhere. Really, I know he's always been tipped to be a, a top talent in the Ajax academy, but um, with Mizrahi being there at the start of the season, I thought he'd be the Stand right back. I know he's had injury problems, but Range has come in. He's done, he's done excellently, and I don't think he's really put a, a foot wrong since he's been in the Ajax lineup. And even when he switches to left back, um, I think he's been excellent as well. So I think he's just so versatile that he can play anywhere across that that back line and and do a great job. And I think that he is someone that you know, never say that you know you've got top talents coming out of Ajax. You know, when you Talk about Frankie De Jong, Donny van der Beek, and Matthijs De Ligt. You know, I got a bit of sticker saying that you know the new three are, are Gravenberg, Timber, and, and Range, but I can see all of them being part of the Netherlands squad for for years to come because they are that that good. And I think Range is going to be the the next big right back. It's amazing how these talents just keep coming from Ajax. I've been watching Dutch football for ten years, and it still surprises me how quickly they come out and out of nowhere, and suddenly they're Dutch national team players. Uh, someone was very enthusiastic and putting wrench there in the comments. Um, another one here. Keep the good work. Thank you very much. Um, and a comment about Kiana Herber really randomly. How's he doing at Wolves? In, in, in three words, Mike? 
not that great. Um, not really playing. Yeah, I, think, I think he went to Wills thinking he was going to be uh, a starter. Then he went and signed. Is it Semedo from? Is it Semedo from Barcelona? And paid a lot of money for him, and because he's Porch, you know, Wolves and their Portuguese love. Um, I think he's been not as used as often as he probably thought he was going to be by leaving Liverpool for Wolves. And I know he started last week, and I think when he does start, he does get some praise. But I don't. Have Wolves been that good this season? I've not paid that much attention to him, but I don't think Wolves have been as good as what he thought they were going to be. Um, and he's not played often enough. So I think whoever's one of these players that everyone thinks is going to be an everyone's right back for years to come, but he needs to get to a club where he actually plays week in, week out. And unfortunately for him, Wolves just wasn't the right decision for the season. Whether he's there next next year and, and plays week in, week out, we'll see. Um, but yeah, he just needs to get game time. We'll see. Um... As for the season, I'm going to the Maduka Akoya is my goalkeeper. Ten clean sheets, Sparta finish eighth on the table. Amazing. Yeah, he's a cat. He's a, he's been outstanding. I think if Sparta, Sparta, one of his teams that started the season really well, dipped off, and we thought, okay, they're going to be half near the bottom, um, and then. Just the last few weeks, they've just exploded in form again and they've deservedly take eight spot. I think that Akoye is a big reason for that. He makes save after save after save. And I think you're right when the, the coaches are coming out and saying that Akoye is going to be followed by the big teams. I know Ajax were linked um, in January, but they've went out and got past fear. Um, but I can see him fitting in well at top air of the busy club. I think Parmy thinks that PSV made a bit of a quick move for drama when they could have waited and, and if Okoye was available, maybe Okoye would have been a better signing. Um, but, yeah, um, look at what Trent are doing right at the moment and he's making some errors. Yeah. We'll see what he does at, when he steps up to PSV. Maybe P, PSV's defence is better than Twente's, so He'll come into more. You know, Drama's a great shot stopper. You can't take that away from him. But I think Koi is, he looks like a top, top goalkeeper in the making. And I think he's going to be a big, big club um, in his career. And right now, Sparta have him. Um, and they're going to make a lot of money from him. Same with, they've got a few good talents there. And, you know, Haru's another one that's that stands out. But Koi, for me, is the one that's going to make them quite a bit of cash when he decides to, to go. Probably will be this summer. Strikes me as someone who went to Spice to develop for a year or two and, and go. Um, good, great goalkeeper, though. Uh, and front three. We talked about Stephen Burkhouse already. He's in my right wing. 18 goals and 12 assists. Just doing the business yet again for finals. Uh, although he has been quite rash this season. Could be a couple of red cards, which is um, very strange. And, and he has lost it. But in terms of attacking play, Still very good at Eredivisie level. Um, a left wing, Dusan Tadic, 14 goals, 7 assists. 17 assists, sorry. Brilliant assist provider this season. Um, always doing it for Ajax. This front three was so easy to pick. I mean, can you guess who the striker is? George Stuermakic, Giacomakis. 26 goals, Eredivisie top goal scorer. And the first one ever to be relegated, um, despite being top goal scorer. But he was just doing... He was anyone scoring goals there. So, uh, yeah. The front three was quite simple to pick and... I'm guessing you agree with that. Yeah, I've picked the same front three. Um, the only one that could come into it would have been Malin, but like I said, he's not been clinical enough for me. Um, to score that many goals for this very, very side is is crazy. Um, and Giacomacus deserves a lot of credit for that. I think if they didn't have him, I mean, they, they would have been bottom probably with one of the, the worst records, yeah. worst team records in Eredivisie history. Um but yeah, he carried that team this, this season. And I just, I just wait to see what he's going to be next season if he stays in the Eredivisie with a club from the Netherlands where he goes abroad. As I'm interested to see how he, he he develops because is he just one of these weird Eredivisie strikers that has one of these absolutely outstanding seasons and scores bags of goals, then goes somewhere else and just can't hit a barn door. Um, and then, then you know, he'll go to a club in England 
for instance, you'll go to a promoted team. They'll think they're getting the next big striker and they'll get another Alfonso Alves and everyone will go, oh, that's their division again. Um, but yeah, we'll see. I think he's he's a great he's a great finisher for their division and his next move is crucial. I think I saw last week they were saying they want between 6 and 10 million for him. Um, I think going down, that might be a bit of a stretch. I think they'll be lucky to get three to five now that they've been relegated. Um, but yeah, I think his agent came out and said that there's not interest yet from Nerdivisi. It's more abroad. Um, so we'll see what happens with him. But I think he's had an outstanding season and he's one of the players from the, the two relegated teams that can hold their heads up high. The other one, actually, I want to make a, a comment about Milan van Uyck. I've just thought about him. Um, he's had an outstanding season for Adel, then Haggard right back. Um, and he's going to have next season. We'll see how he develops. But he's young, fresh. The only Adel then Hag player that deserves any credit this season. Um, but other two, yeah, Tadic speaks for himself. Another outstanding campaign. And Berghaus. I agree. But I mean, playing for a Dick Advocat this season must be pretty frustrating. So no wonder he's, he's taken out on the, the opposition when he gets on the pitch. Um, He's probably seen Brian Linson starting up front every week with him and just deciding to kick everything around him. Um, but yeah, Berghaus is not a player that I think he's going to leave fine or this, this summer. And, you know, the Euros are going to be an absolute fantastic shop window for him. Um, if he's starting for the Netherlands and he performs well, you know, big clubs can come in for him. Um, if he goes to the Euros and, and doesn't perform, then maybe he'll stay at Feyenoord again next next season. But yeah, I've seen loads of clubs being linked to the big guys from Spain, from, from Italy with Roma, to even Ajax were linked a couple of weeks ago to, to taking him because he's got to be available for as little as four million, which is crazy for, for someone that could, can do what he can do um, when he's on form. But yeah, I think the front three just picks itself because they're, they're breeding standouts this the season, which is strange for a league like their division, you think that attack is is an attacking league, but yeah, it's been. I think they have been, been pretty standout players, though. I don't think it's because of the lack of quality. I think they have genuinely been that good. But I think that these three are the the main ones. Then Jochen Danois, showing Hank Veerman, no, um, Jesper Carlsen, probably not. But he's been had a good season. Um, Anthony not consistent enough. I think today was his first goal since January. Um, Michael Delaney. Yeah, but then you. Yeah. Again, his form is kind of exploded too late for Emin, really. Um, so I think that those three are the standouts this season. Um, whereas Marlon could be could have been if he had been a bit more clinical. And and Gakpo deserves some credit, but I think Gakpo is, is another player that's kind of exploded recently. I think he had a inconsistent start to the season. Um, I think he's really only come into the Netherlands talk since he, he scored a hat trick for the under twenty ones, and that's when everyone started to really take notice of him. Um, Eindhoven. So, yeah, I think that team of the week, team of the season. I mean, our ones are pretty much the same, barring one or two positions. Yeah, that's right. Um... Final questions came in from Cam on Twitter uh, about the Eredivisie. I guess, yeah, let, let's get let's get some 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 predictions here, Mike. This may already have happened before listening to this, but who do you think will win the promotion playoff? First of all, a few of the matches would have been played at the time of recording, but there's still some teams coming up from the Eredivisie. Uh, the teams still in, in there include NEC Nijmegen, uh, Rodi AC, Matt Breda, all teams that have played in the Eredivisie quite recently. And of course, Emmen will be playing that first of all. Who do you think is going to make it out of those four? I think it's going to be Emmen. They've been playing incredible stuff for the past few months. Yeah, I think Emmen going to look in a team in form with a goal scorer and Sergio Pena, who's in, in great form in midfield. So I think they've got enough of them to, to stay up. The teams I'd like to see, I'd like to see NSA Nijmegen just because of the amount of talented young players that they've got. I'd like to see them come up just because I think it'd be interesting. And Mac Breda, um, them coming up would be. The atmosphere. They've got such a great stadium and fans. Mac Breda would be good as well. And it might convince Sydney Van Hoydonk to stay another year in, in Breda. And I'd like to see what he does in the, the Eredivisie and see if he can actually live up to his, 
his talent to see what he can do in the, the top fight. But if Emin stay up, I'm I'm happy. You know, if they had been the one that had gone automatically down and as Vevey Vey that had made the playoffs or out of the hag, I'd been hoping for Euros to go down and somebody fresh to come up. But if Emin stay, I'd say good job to them. Um, the way that they were looking at the turn of the year, they were dead and buried. So, yeah, if they stay up, I would say. I agree with you. I think if they stay up, I'll be delighted. Whereas normally I'm like, ah, get them, get them down, get them, you know. Yeah. Get somebody else up, but you know, if, if they go down and NSA or any NAC Breda come up, I'd be like, okay, that's that's fair enough. I'd, we'll see how they do next season. But you no, know, no offense to to Roda JCA, but I don't want another sort of just cannon fodder um, team in the Dare Divisi. So, and yeah, NAC Breda most famous for their beer. <laughs> They're I mean, great fans, like I say. Um, the, and, and Quentin as well says that Amnon Nack will win it. I think so. I think the winner of that playoff time will win the final of it. Uh, and finally, Europe, European playoffs final against Sparta attract Carney and who is going to make it out of those four? I mean, your head instantly goes Feyenoord. But I mean, I would quite like it if Feyenoord... No, no, I wouldn't like it. But I mean, I think as I'd like it if Sparta did it just because... <laughs> It would be a romantic story for, for Spire to beat Feyenoord and, and get up to the European places and then we can see European football at Castile. Um, but my other inkling is that it depends on how Ian Robin does for Cronian. Um, if he has an influence in the games, you know, he's getting rested to be fresh for that Utrecht game. You know, if he's on fire, um, could he beat Utrecht? Probably. Could he then come up against Feyenoord and give him a good showing? Probably. Um, I think Feyenoord are the big favourites for it. I think that the pressure's all on them and we'll see how they, they handle it. Um, I don't know how bad your Trouder's injury is. I, I know he came off in the first half of today's game. That could be a, a bit of a blow for them. But if Feyenoord don't get a European spot, their fans are going to go absolutely ballistic. They already went and showed their dissatisfaction today. But if they... Yeah, if they don't make that European spot, then there's going to be hell to pay in Rotterdam for not sacking Dick Advocate earlier. Um, and then Arnold Slot's going to have an even tougher job next season because the, the budget's going to be cut even more so if they don't make make Europe. So I, I'd worry for them if they don't take that spot. Um, yeah. But I'd love to see Kroningen or, or Sparta take it. But any four teams... As long as they, they put in a good show and then get the coefficient up next year, then that's the main thing. And Luxembourg. Yeah. Um, which, you know, a team like Sparta is, is very possible. Um, so in terms of coefficient, you'd say, okay, let's, let's have Feyenoord in there. Um, or if Ronigan can convince Robin to stay on for another year and just seeing him playing European football and, and Ronigan would be a, a fantastic sight. But, yeah. I think at Feyenoord, it's theirs to lose. And if they lose it, it's going to be Bedlam and, and Rotterdam. Um, I've got one more I think that this is, this is one for those people that know the Odyssey quite well. It's one for the people that, that like um, football only the most. True, true diehard fans are still listening this stage of the podcast, right at the end, full hour. Uh, no matter which platform you're listening to, do get involved and comment. Who do you think might have been the worst players in the Odovisi this season? <laughs> I mean, for me, when I heard that question, the first thing I thought was most of the final front three. <laughs> Lucas Prato, maybe? Oh, he'd be up there with flop of the season for, for sure. Um, he's taken a wage packet and he sat on that wage packet for... Oh, he's loved it. Oh, yeah, he's having a great time. He's in the Netherlands. He's away from Argentina. He's having a great time. Um, worst players. Wow. Um, Jorgensen? Jorgensen's been, again, it's Dick Advocate that's come in and benched him. Um, it's not his fault. If Jorgensen, you I mean, he scored today. If, if Dick Advocate thinks Brian Winston's a, a better striker than Nikolai Jorgensen, then, um, you know, that's not Jorgensen's fault. That's, you know, Dick Advocate's strange mind. Um, I think if you look at in terms of, like, flops of the season, um, then you got to look at AZ and say, is Boadu up there? Um, you got two goals today. 
but what do you expect from him? Um, I mean, he's not a great season, no, but I, could, I wouldn't say he's been one of the worst players of the league this season. Like, not one of the worst players in the league, but one that I expected big, big things from this season that hasn't lived up to those expectations would be would be Bordeaux, because I don't really want to go down the worst route, because then you're just looking at half the other Den Hag team. Um, yeah. But in terms of players that I expected huge things from at the start of the season that I haven't lived up to it, you'd, you'd list Bordeaux, Stangs and I had in, and they'd be the top three for me, the ones that I thought were going to absolutely explode this season. Um, but I haven't. Same with possibly um, some of the Ajax youngsters that I expected to have a big... I mean, every year I do a sort of youngsters to watch article. Um, and I was looking at, you know, Sancho Hansen, Univar, Tabuni, Goodmine. I mean, I think I'm going to be naming Kenzo Goodmine as somebody that's going to break through for the next four years and he's probably never going to do it. Um, he seems to be one of those ones that's always on the cusp, but he's not actually getting any, any game time. Um, but yeah, Feyenoord have been disappointing. Um, and, you know, you got to look at Vane as well. You know, the, the players that they have available to them to, for them to finish down in 12th, 13th is... It's a big disappointment. Joy Veerman has been one that has stood out. Um, but I think they threw in the towel recently in the last few weeks. I think they've just given up on this season. Um, How about Cheryl Florano? He's someone who just has not developed the past few years. Yeah, it's crazy. And now he's yeah, he's not signing a new contract because he thinks he's going to get a move somewhere else. Um, that's that's mental. Um, and they're signed. Van Uyck is uh, an upgrade. So, you know, it's, it's all... Oh, up there. Um, Twent is another side that's just absolutely imploded under Ron Jans. Um, and, you know, Ustervalde is one of the players that we're putting forward as young player to watch at the start, start of six months, but I've not really heard much of him for uh, six months. Yeah. Um, Kick Pieri is another one that sort of went to, to Twente hoping to relight his career, but I don't think he's gone back to Ajax looking like he's going to get anywhere near the first team. Um, and same with somebody like even Periscurs right now. Every single week, I get somebody commenting that Periscurs is Netherlands' next big right uh, centre-back and why is he not in the Netherlands squad? Um, but Periscurs isn't even getting near the Ajax first team at the moment, so why would he be in the Netherlands squad when he's been replaced by by Timber, and he made quite a few errors when he's been playing for Ajax. So, yeah, there's, there's been a lot of players this season that have failed to live up to, to expectations, but there's been, just on the other end, there's been enough players that have broke through and been outstanding. So, you know, it's it's, it's the Eredivisie, it's, it's level of doubt with the, the top talents coming through, whereas some just haven't haven't lived up to it. But my biggest disappointment would have been Naya Hatterin. Um, he's the one that I tipped for Massive, massive things at the start of the season. And it's just all gone pear-shaped. Yeah. Um, whether that's just him falling out with Roger Schmidt, who knows. But we'll see what happens in the summer if he does get that move um, elsewhere and see what happens with him next next summer. Because I don't believe that he's ill at the moment. I don't believe that the story that he's... Because Roger Schmidt even said a couple of weeks ago that he was in training. Um, so if he was ill, then he'd be, he'd be playing. But yeah, he's... He's heading out there as well. Um, but I think if we want to end on players that are going to head for transfers this summer, then you'll get PSV's big three, Arhatran, Malin, Dumfries, um, even Madueke. I think Schmidt even came out today and said Madueke didn't play today because he wasn't he wasn't good enough in training. He doesn't think he's been playing well enough. So for somebody that's going to... Yeah, for somebody that's making moves and saying that he wants to leave... Um, or say he will leave if he doesn't get game time or there's another one that's going to go that's going to leave PSV young um, so yeah I think we're heading for a big a big big summer of transfers um, because you know players might be moving this this summer so it's going to be another busy one for their division that's right um, it's time for us to go we've been talking for quite a while now an hour um, TikTok too but thank everyone for listening and do give us a like wherever you're listening to us. SoundCloud, iTunes, YouTube. See if we can get us over a thousand listeners again on our podcast this time. 
Um, it's talking of transfers, we've got some things on um, the Football Down YouTube channel at the moment. There's top 10 players ready to leave the Eredivisie. If you want to go and, go and watch that, head over to the YouTube channel. Um, we've also got a couple of interviews that we've just recently put out with Ajax goalkeeper Charlie Setford um, and Volendam's Mickey van der Ven. So we've got two big interviews with them if you want to go and check them out as well. Um, and on the website, we've got an article from Mike at the minute talking about the big decisions that Frankfurt has got to make for his squad. We've got plenty more up there um, on all our platforms coming really, really soon. Just a final call if you want to get yourself one, get yourself a football down your wristband in time for the tournament, the Euro 2020 wristbands. So, time for us to go and plenty more coming from us soon with Euro 2020 coming up. Um, big expectations for what the Netherlands can deliver. Uh, can we all get carried over the excitement? Let us know in the comments. And of course, if you haven't already, comment below what you're thinking of the Euro 2020 squad and your Eredivisie team of the season. But from Mike and I, bye for now. Goodbye.